You're listening to the King's Place podcast. kingsplace.co.uk Hello and welcome to the King's Place podcast, a series of podcasts looking at the upcoming events at the North London venue. On this latest mini edition, we speak to traditional Celtic artist, the Boys of the Lock. Dave Richardson joins us on the phone to give us a flavour of what to expect when they come to Hall 1 in December. We started by asking him how he got involved with Boys of the Lock in the first place. Oh God, I had I had become interested in this kind of music in my teens, you know, and various members of the sort of lineup that was kind of all almost in information at that time, came by my house when I was a student in Durham at various times. And then they had a tour in the U.S. set up in 1973, and there was a vacancy. One guy had left, uh, and they invited me to go. So I just borrowed the plane fare off my mother and and went, and uh, that was it. I just, uh, shortly afterwards, about six months later, I dropped everything else and just went full-time with the band. And I presume it was a pretty amazing kind of experience. Really, an incredible life. It's just what I would always want to have done, you know, because I, I was mad about the music and I'm I'm really interested in other places. I'm interested in botany, I'm interested in birds. So I got to go to all these amazing places and um, met loads and loads of musicians. And the great thing was that when we started, particularly in America, we were meeting loads of guys who played traditional music purely for enjoyment. You know, it wasn't a market-driven activity at all. They weren't doing it for money. And they were all blue-collar guys. You know, they were like lumberjacks and trappers and mill workers and moonshiners and all this kind of stuff. So... These guys were incredibly interesting to meet and to hear. The, the core of the job was just getting to play in a great band, you know, with, with Ali Bain and Cathal McConnell and Robin Morton during the 70s and then a whole series of musicians who came in later because we've always considered ourselves as a, a platform for traditional music. And so a lot of people have sat or stood on that platform, uh, including many guests that we use on an occasional basis as and when it was possible and when we could afford it. And is there still some kind of confusion about what traditional music is? <laughs> there was an initial total ignorance of what traditional music was and we spent the first 10 years kind of educating people and then there was a much greater awareness achieved through well one act in particular had a much higher profile than anybody else and that was the Chieftains and they took out a lot of excellent traditional music all over the world they also kind of mixed the message a bit by doing crossover project, which may have confused people a little about what it was all about. Then in the 90s, you had these uh, amazing dance projects that took off, you know, like uh, River Dance and Lord of the Dance. And they may well have presented a, a rather skewed view of it, but because of the, the sheer power of them, you know, they um, certainly influenced an awful lot of people in that direction. And the music that was nearer to the roots probably got greatly overlooked. And is there a sort of endless pool of music that you can draw on? Pretty much, because even if you think you're getting anywhere near on, on top of things, I mean, there are all these different instruments you can, you, can, you can approach it from as well, you know. I can't stop myself just, to, you know, over the last few years I've been trying to learn the Anglo concertina, which is a system I never played before. And uh, so then you get a whole new interest in it, you know. But as far as the actual repertoire is concerned, 
Uh, first of all, we can draw within the band on various heartlands of this music, like the Shetland Islands, County Fermanagh, a very strong rural tradition that has changed very little since back in the early 1800s. I mean, they still play a lot of the same repertoire. Uh, it changes with the musicians and changes stylistically. And then you go down to Kerry, where our accordion player comes from. He's a great singer as well, Brendan Begley. And he works, when he's home, pretty much exclusively through the medium of Irish. And he's a big uh, partisan worker for the local culture down there, the vernacular culture. Uh, and then I've got a background in, in Northumbrian music, and it was a very mixed sort of tradition we had in Tyneside with input from Scotland and Ireland uh, and, and indeed Shetland as well. There was one worker on the uh, post office telephones uh, who was a fiddle player from Shetland. I used to hear him when I was in the teens. So there's all that, a very rich background to draw on, and um, very different points of view within the band on, on how tunes are played. So it never gets into a boring parochial groove where you're all thinking exactly the same. And then the next level of change is where people write their own tunes. I mean, we've got three or four good tunesmiths within the band who've all come up with uh, some tunes that you know other musicians have picked up on as well. And then there's this whole business of the individual repertoires, the depth of the repertoire. I mean, Brendan Begley's just put a book out about three or four years ago uh, of the Kerry music based on the old musicians on the farms. And uh, there's a little, you know, there's a photograph, a sample of the music, uh, some words of wisdom from each player. There's masses of material. I mean, the problem is, you know, what what do you actually choose? You know? And is there a, a plan of what you're going to perform when you go on stage? We have a rough idea w where we're going to go based on what we've been currently doing. Uh, in the case of coming down to the King's Place, we're, we're performing a special repertoire we put together. First performed it in the States in 1993 in December, and it's a Christmas and midwinter repertoire. And it's not Jingle Bells and Rudolph the Red Nose Randy and all the stuff you hear in the, the elevator in Sainsbury's or whatever. It's all music, quite obscure music from the tradition. There's, We've got a couple of carols in Irish as a translation of a, a tune from the Scots Gaelic. Uh, there's a lot of pagan music from the Shetland tradition. They have a tradition of, um, which is Norse, because they were all from Western Norway originally. This is the tradition of the, the trows, who are the equivalent of the Norwegian trolls, and they live under the ground, and they come out at midwinter, and they love music, so the steel fiddle players... And, take him away under the ground for a hundred years and this is the origin of the whole Rip Fang Winkle story because I think the author of that came from the Orkney Islands and they have special tunes that they claim to have learned from the trows you know usually a guy comes home from a wedding he, he falls down rendered incapable with drink and sleeps on the hill and he's awoken by the sound of music coming from under the ground and he's terrified because he knows it's the trows and then he runs away at top speed because if you can Cross water, they can't follow you. But he, he usually gets away, or we wouldn't have the tune. And the thing is that once you hear a tune from the trows, you never forget it. <laughs> so they come into the repertoire. Some people think that's not quite true, but uh, who am I to say?
The Boys of the Lock play a rare UK performance in Hall 1 on Friday the 9th of December. You've been listening to a King's Place podcast. For full details about this or any other event, please visit our website, kingsplace.co.uk. You're listening to the King's Place podcast. kingsplace.co.uk.